welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. I'm wearing the message. If you can't see me, and if by any chance you're catching up with this later, I'm just going to tell you what the message is. Just do it. Just do it. If nothing else, if I get nothing else out of my mouth for the rest of today's talk, this is what I feel like God is inviting us into. If God could do a miracle for you right now, what would it be? I wonder how some of us feel about miracles. Maybe you're new here and you're thinking, miracles? Why is she talking about miracles? Isn't this a bit much? Maybe you feel a bit sceptical about them. Maybe you feel intrigued. Maybe you feel disappointed because you've prayed for a miracle and you didn't see what you hoped the answer might be. Maybe actually, for some of you right now, maybe for some of you watching online, actually you're desperate and you need a miracle or you know somebody who needs a miracle. And actually, right now, before I get into anything else, I want to just give a little bit of breathing space to the Holy Spirit. So um, I'd just love you just for a moment, wherever you are, if you're at home, I'm so glad you're listening because God knows you're here and he knows every detail of our lives. So could we all just shut our eyes for a moment and um, can we just put our hands out? And if you are a person who needs a miracle right now, Whatever that is, however big it is, however small it is, if it's a medical condition, if it's a, like a psychological condition, if it's a financial condition, an emotional condition, if you've got a house move and you need it to move, if you've got a bill that needs to be paid, if you've got something wrong in your body, if you know somebody and their situation really needs God to move in it, would you just imagine that in your hands right now and hold it out to Jesus? Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. There is so much we cannot do, but you are unlimited. You are totally good. You are the God who loves us, who has the resource of the whole of heaven. And I speak to every situation that's represented in our hands. And I say for every situation represented in the hands that I can see and in the hands that I can't see, Holy Spirit, come and let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you move into every situation that is needed in the mighty name of Jesus? Because you are good and I trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Miracles happen when our needs the things that we can't do that are beyond us come into contact with the completely 
unlimited, amazingly good, astonishing, wonderful power and love of God. They stretch our understanding of who God is. They raise our expectation of what he wants to do in our world. I sense God wants to just lift our expectations and to stretch us a bit today. Because the thing that I'm talking about, just doing it, is not about us and our effort. It's about how amazingly good God is, even in the face of extraordinarily painful, dark things to which we don't have the answers or the solutions. And he came into our world, which was a mess 2,000 years ago, still is a mess, and he gave us an invitation, an astonishing invitation. He invited us, he called us to come and follow him. All through his time on earth, that is what Jesus has called people to do, come and follow him. And when Jesus invited people to follow him and when he invites us to follow him today, he's not talking about it in a kind of social media sense when it's like, okay, I'll just click on a button. I'll just get a few little updates and maybe some inspirational pictures and maybe I'll just the action I'll take will be just to click a little button and say, I like it. Oh, that's nice. You know, nothing wrong with that. But actually what Jesus is doing when he says, come and follow me, it's amazing. What he's actually doing is saying, come, come and be with me. Come and see what I'm doing. Because when you see what I'm doing, I want to show you who I am. I want you to listen to me. I want you to learn from me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. And then, like apprentices, I want you to go and do it. Not just learning like in an academic class where you might listen and take some notes. No, no, no. I want you to live with this. I want you to come. Be with me. Accompany me. And help me in what I'm doing. And we're going to go through a version of that journey today by starting off and coming to Jesus. We're already with him. And we're going to take a look at what he did. So, Who was Jesus and what did he do? Well, the stories about Jesus, the biographies written about him in the Bible, who are describing by his eyewitnesses what he did here on earth, it's clear he was astonishing. The things Jesus had done, he was a rabbi unlike any other rabbi. Lots of rabbis came and taught, but Jesus didn't just teach, he did things as well. He did things no one had seen before. He healed people, all kinds of healing. Blind people began to see again. Deaf people began to hear again. People couldn't walk, walked again. He raised people from the dead. He set oppressed people free. He had conversations that were just full of divine revelation. He multiplied food. He walked on water. He took command over storms. It's clear he was amazing. Some of those things he did in synagogues and he did them in temples. He went to places like our place here where people came for spiritual meetings. 
But he didn't just do them there. He went out and he did these things on streets. He did them by wells. We don't really meet by wells anymore, but you could kind of think like a cafe or a supermarket, perhaps. He did them in gardens, up on mountains. And the walking on the water clearly had to happen with some water, so kind of on a lake somewhere. And he was doing that because he went out of his way to include people who would never have found their way into a synagogue service or into a temple. He went out to find the people who would not in any way expect usually to find their way into a place like this. He did it to include people who were considered completely untouchable and outside the kind of in-groups and elites of the time. What he did was for everyone, everywhere. And in doing these miracles, Jesus was showing us what his father was like and what he's still like. He was showing us that his father is this deeply loving and unlimited person, the source of all life and freedom and healing and power. And he was putting right all the things that were wrong in people's bodies, in their lives. He was living and demonstrating the reality of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer when we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth. Let the rule and authority of God's space, heaven, happen here. And that culminated in the biggest miracle of all time, which was his death and resurrection. So when he died on a cross, he was put to death as a criminal, And yet, he was not just a completely innocent man, he was the Son of God. And in that moment, in that miracle, what he was doing was putting right all that was wrong. He was taking on himself the consequences of our wrongdoing. But the very good news is that he didn't stay on a cross and he didn't stay dead because he's alive and he rose again and in that moment he defeated all the spiritual forces that caused the brokenness in our world. He did these things because Jesus was not just a great teacher, he was not even just a prophet, he was definitely more than a nice man. He was what he claimed to be, he was and is the son of God and that sets our faith apart from any other belief or spiritual tradition. And we have very good news. That is very good news. What I have just told you should be making you go, wow, that is incredible. Because the amazing good news is that Jesus came for every single one of us to put right our spiritual brokenness. And that is an amazing and wonderful thing. But he also did more than that. He also invites us to be part of his story. So when we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, he's doing more than saying, I want to save you so you get to go to heaven. He's saying, I have saved you so you can start to bring heaven here now. He's inviting us into the work that he was doing of making all things new so that here on earth, it becomes in every respect increasingly like heaven. We know that in heaven it's a place totally full of God's presence. We know that there is no more pain, no more sickness, no more evil. Uh, Who here 
would like to see the reality of heaven come a bit more. Yes, 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 I am with you. I am with you. Oh, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So let's turn then to what Jesus told us to do. He came, he demonstrated the kingdom and he also taught us. So what did he tell his disciples to do? In Matthew 10 Matthew, and in Luke 10, Jesus sends his disciples out and tells them, start releasing the kingdom into the nearby towns. He says, as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. It is close enough to touch. Heal the sick, break off demonic presence, raise the dead, freely release the power of the kingdom. His last instructions to the disciples while he was here on earth were this. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, soaking them, transforming them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Clearly, Jesus' expectations were that his followers would do the things that he did and then train other people to do the things that he did. Okay, now I realise this is a bit much and maybe some of you are going, oh yeah, but that Ruth, that was for his disciples then, back then, right? And you're not talking to us right now, are you? And I'm like, uh, <clears throat> yes, because there's nowhere in the Bible that suggests that this was actually supposed to stop. In fact, Jesus was very clear about it. So if Jesus was clear about it, we need to be clear about it too. So let's read what he says in John 14, 12 to 14. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracle than the greater miracles than these because I go to be with my father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. And all through the years and all over the world, we have seen evidence that this is true. Has anybody here heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, some of you will know. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber in Bradford. He could not read, read or write. He taught himself to read so he could read the Bible. It was the only book he ever read. He healed many, many people. He raised people from the dead, including his wife, who when he raised her from the dead, turned around him and said, Smith, what have you done? It was really good there and it was my time to go. So he had to let her go back again. <clears throat> Amazing. And it wasn't just for that time, it is also for now. Um, here's just one of the many stories from Heidi and Roland Baker's work in Mozambique. Um, I have to read this so that I get it right, so forgive me for looking at my notes. This is Heidi Baker's words. She says, um, one of my favourite heroes in the faith is Mama Tanwake. She has raised three people from the dead. And together with Papa Tanwake, she oversees a region in our movement. Everywhere they preach, great signs and wonders follow. But she failed the third year of Bible college. 
At graduation, the missionaries told me she'd failed her exams because she couldn't read well enough. Think about that. Three people raised from the dead, but she is a Bible school failure. Perhaps God does not care as much about our so-called ministry qualifications as we do. Perhaps God doesn't actually care about how well I give this talk today. When Gavin and I were, um, well, he was listening to me talk this through yesterday. He said to me, Ruth, you could stand up there and Swahili, talk in Swahili and it wouldn't matter because actually what matters is that you hear what Jesus wants you to hear um, today. So maybe you're really new to our church and you're thinking, what is this woman talking about? I want you to come and I hope very much if you're new to our church, I hope if you've been coming to our church for many, many years, you've had a wonderful time this morning enjoying the worship and encountering Jesus. I hope very much that what I say, what I read from his word will touch something in your heart. But what I want more than anything else is that you encounter Jesus for yourself right here today for whatever you need right here today. And maybe when you hear about people like Smith Wigglesworth and Mama Tamwake, you can have perhaps, like I do sometimes, a bit of a sinking feeling in your stomach and can get a bit discouraged. Because when I look at my life, when I look at their life, I can go, I haven't done what they've done. Anybody here raise the dead? Not yet. Okay, so there's more for us. And in those moments, I just want to encourage us to be inspired, to be encouraged. Because God doesn't want you to be Smith Wigglesworth. He doesn't want you to be Mama Tamwake. He wants you to be you. He wants me to be me. And he wants us to be exactly where he's put us, releasing the kingdom, however that looks like, where he's put you and me. You're not supposed to be like me and I'm not supposed to be like you. You are supposed to be you in the places where you are. And it's not for an elite group of people. It's not for people who've been Christians a certain amount of time. It's not for people who've been on a kind of course. It's for all of us. So how do we get started? How do we do what Jesus did? Well, we do it in the same way that Jesus did, which is flowing out of a relationship with our Heavenly Father and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We have to be clear that Jesus, everything he did was full of compassion. It was full of love for the people in front of them. It was full of power that came from the Holy Spirit. We too really need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us with Jesus' love for every single person in front of us, to give us courage for it to be his power at work and to demonstrate that he's alive, alive and wanting to transform the world around us today. You see, when I say these things, let's do it. Let's do what Jesus did. You might think, oh, that is not for me. I do not have that gift. I would not like to do that. Um, when Scott McNamara, who is the guy who wrote Jesus at the Door, Jesus at the door is a, it's just this really simple little tool when Scott came here um, 
I listened to him talk and I thought, yes, this is very good in principle and it excited something in me. And in my head, I thought, I can't do that. Um, which has quite frankly been proved not to be true because it is, you can see I can get my mouth open and words can come out of it. Actually, um, what I really meant was I really, really didn't want to do it. Actually. Um, and God has taken me on a journey on that um, process. Anyway, what Scott says in this book, which is very good, and I, you're very welcome to borrow it if you like it, um, is that God is not cruel, you see. He is not asking you to go out there and do something that is completely impossible on your own. He's not mean. He's loving and he's good and he's powerful. Those instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples are called the great co-mission because he goes with us. We are able to do the things that he did because of what he's already done. Now, this t-shirt that I'm wearing belongs to a brand um, whose name actually means victory, which is another reason why I thought it was worth buying the t-shirt to wear today so that you would see the message and know that the message comes out of a place of victory. It's not about us striving or trying to do something magical. It is about us saying, God, you've done it. We know it doesn't always look like we think it should, but we trust you. He's already done it because he died on the cross and he came back to life. What is left for us to do is to release the reality of that everywhere we go. So how do we do this, practically speaking? And actually, practically speaking, it's not mysterious. It's actually very simple. We start with very small steps. We start with every single person that God puts in front of us, and we love that person. That is what we do, one by one by one. And one of the ways that you can love that person is by praying for them. As you're chatting with a person, you can try out this little phrase. I've been using it a lot. Some of you will recognize it. <laughs> it goes something like this. Hey, I'm learning how to pray. Is there anything that you'd like me to pray about for you today? And some people will say, no, they're fine, thank you. And occasionally people will get a little bit offended and walk away. Um, but in my experience, 90% of the time, people will say, yes. Sometimes they will share something quite personal with you. Sometimes they might ask for something very general. And then if they say yes, you say, and they explain what they'd like some prayer for, you say, would you mind very much if, if I prayed right now for you? And uh, if they say yes, you can say, okay, great. I'll just keep my eyes open. It's just like a conversation. I'll just pray right now. Um, I did this with one of the workmen on our road just recently. I was just walking down to the train station, just chatted him. He wanted me to pray for all the young people who were lost. So I did pray for all the young people who were lost, and I prayed for him at the same time. Um, and a few days later, I said, Mom, how are things going? He said, after you prayed for me, everything changed. Felt like I had a really good day. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And actually, do you know what? I got a bit chicken at that point because what I knew I should have done was to talk to him a bit more about Jesus, but I couldn't get my words out and it all felt really awkward. And so I went home 
I said, oh God, I'm sorry. Would you give me a second chance on that one? The next morning, the workman um, knocked on my front door with a big empty water canister and said, our water hasn't been delivered. Please, could I use your tap? I'm like, yes, come in. <laughs> in a slightly less spooky, scary, stalkerish kind of way than I just came over. <laughs> anyway, I, he filled up his water and I said, well, you know, I was really thinking about that conversation we had when I prayed for you last week. He said, yes. He said, I didn't want to tell you yesterday because there were my work colleagues were in the van. He said, when you prayed for me, he said, all the hairs stood up on my arm. And then um, he said, and it was like something shifted and my day was completely different. I was like, yeah, do you know what? That's the Holy Spirit. And I said, it's like Jesus, he's coming. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants you to know that he's real and he loves you. We were standing on my doorway at this point and I didn't have the card, but the point was true. He said, yes, he said, I'll keep an open mind. I said, you know what, you need to do more than have an open mind. <laughs> you need to open the door of your heart as well. You see, clearly it's possible for the words to come out of my mouth. Okay. What it looks like when we pray for people can be really all kinds of different ways, depending on who you are, what kind of style suits you, where you are, how appropriate it is. Some of you, it might be just more um, appropriate to start with practical action. City pastors is a great opportunity for that. Honestly, it's a call for action. We desperately need to walk the presence of Jesus up into that area up there. We desperately need to do it. So please, if the Holy Spirit stirs you, come out with us. Even I am going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. So we can start with practical things. Um, buying someone a coffee, meeting a practical need. All of these ways are ways we bring the kingdom into our everyday lives. But what I want to really encourage you is just to bring the supernatural with the social practical help as well. I know because I have had the chance to get to know some of you over the years that you do beautiful, wonderful, amazing things where you do exactly that. And my prayer is that God does more and that the simple practical things we do, whether it's giving a pack of sweets to a group of people when we're chatting to them, whether it, I was just litter picking this morning out there and one of the taxi drivers came up, I said, um, he said, you're doing a good job litter picking. I said, thank you very much. They said, can I pray for you? Well, I filled in the conversation a bit, but I did ask him if I could pray for him, prayed for him outside. He was really touched. He said, I will come into your church one day. I said, great, you'd be so welcome. Okay, I'm talking far too much. I want to hear and share another story with you. Um, I'm going to ask Emma to come up and tell us a little bit what happened for her. Because these are not just my stories. This is not just about me and my journey. This is about for all of us. So Emma. Yep. Could you tell us what happened when you went to visit your friend in Hull, please? Yep, yep. Um, I met um, a friend of theirs that they were hosting. He just had a stroke and uh, he, was being, he was very tearful. Whenever he watched something sad on the news, he'd cry. And he felt this was a mark of weakness. So I said to him, no, no, it's not weakness. Um, your heart has been softened and, and now you're feeling compassion when you see others suffering. And I told him about Jesus being moved by compassion and Jesus wept and just shared more things about Jesus with him and then asked him if using this uh, Jesus at the door, asked him if he'd like to receive Christ and he said yes. Thank you. It's so exciting. 
Maybe some of you have heard about the word divine appointment, those moments where it feels like that appointment, that moment, that God-filled conversation just is there in front of you. But the thing that I've learned is that actually we can be proactive too, that we can actually just by saying, you know, can I pray for you? It opens up an opportunity for carrying God's kingdom, his love. We can invite the Holy Spirit into every situation and step out and bring him into our conversations. Okay, I just want to say, I know we're going to have to... Children will need to be collected. I'm trying to keep my eye on the time. Um, Two, three things. The first thing is that I know that sometimes when we pray, we don't see the big miracle thing happen in that moment. And that can be very discouraging. What I want to encourage us to do is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and his goodness and to trust him for what he's doing in the bigger picture. To not get discouraged, but to keep going with our small steps and to leave the outcomes to him and to trust that he is totally good. Because God is often doing far more behind the scenes than the outcomes that we actually see. He is doing his part. We just need to keep doing our part And we need to leave the rest to him. Okay. Um, It would be really ironic if I gave a talk about doing what Jesus did and didn't actually leave enough time for us to do it. (laughs) And I don't want to do that. But I also want to be really respectful that there are children upstairs who might need to be collected. (sighs) Do they need to be collected right now? Quarter two. Right, that's good. That gives me two minutes to tell you the next story and then to release you to get your children and bring them down if you want to do that. The story I want to tell you is a funny story. It's not a God story. It's how Ruth and Gavin are slightly absent-minded story. So the point here that I want to make is that Jesus has already done it. He's already given us every resource so we don't need to strive or work ourselves up. And I want to tell you a story that will hopefully help you remember this. So when Gavin and I got married, back in those days, you would sometimes be given a gift in the form of one of these, which is a check. So people would write you these. And we were very blessed on our wedding day. And a lot of people wrote us checks. And we were very grateful for the checks. And we put the checks into the suit pocket that one of us was wearing. I won't tell you which, but you can take a probably a fairly confident guess as to which of them, which of us that was. And the suit went in the wardrobe, along with the checks. And the suit stayed in the wardrobe, along with the checks, for many months, until we started to get some really embarrassing telephone calls from some of our parents' friends who were saying, like, hmm, that check I wrote you for your gift, I can see it hasn't actually been banked. And we're like, oh, yeah, do you know what? We left it in the pocket and we hadn't done anything with the gift that we'd been given and we needed to take it while there was still time and bank it and then use the gift in the way that the givers had intended to bless us and bless our home and be able to bless the other people who came into our home and I wonder if actually some of us are a little bit like that too that 
Jesus is saying, you know what, I've, I've given you all the stuff. You've got the check. It's even got your name on it. It's in your pocket. What are you going to do with it? And the thing about gifts is that they are to be given away and they get activated when we use them. So our part in all of this is to respond. In Romans 12, Paul encourages the early church. He says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, all of it. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Our gift to God is our availability and our obedience. And in those moments where we take ourselves and we give it to God, there is this moment for divine exchange. And I think God just wants to take our fear and to give us faith. I think for those of us who are quite frankly, we're very tired. He wants to take our fatigue and actually he wants to give us the flow of the Holy Spirit. He is not interested in how much ability you think you have. What he's interested in is your availability. Maybe even for some of us, the checks that we've forgotten in our pocket and we've got a bit apathetic about them, he actually wants to waken us up to his reality. I'm going to read the final words I've written to you, which are actually written by Heidi Baker. I'm going to read them to you and then um, if you need to go and collect your children, please do. And then there'll be a moment for all of us to respond down here. Okay, but let me read this to you before anything else. Today, I believe that God is saying this to you. Allow me to work with you. All I need is your willingness Overcome your pride and come to me. Let go of your preconceptions. Let go of every reason why something miraculous should not happen in your situation. Be obedient to me. Allow me to step into your situation and show you what I can do with the tiniest bit of trust. Trust in me. Though you may feel out of your depth, stretched to your limit, extended beyond your comfort zone, you have an incredible father. If you begin to trust him with every situation in your life, every challenge, every mountain that has to be climbed, he will come to your aid and you will experience miracles. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.